Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Western New York race fans, it's time to crank it up. Start your for the next hour, the airwaves belong to you. Sit down, strap in, and let's head to WGR's Fast Track. All right, take a nice big deep breath, buddy. With your host, there, have a good day, all right, buddy. Dave Buchanan. Brad Keselowski out in front all by himself. It's a hornet's nest behind him. Kurt Busch to the inside of Kyle Busch. Two and three wide, bouncing off each other. This is for the win at Daytona. And Brad Keselowski blocking both lanes. Goes topside to block the advance from Kyle Busch. Now back to the bottom to advance to block the advance from Kurt Busch. Here comes Logano as Kurt Busch spins off the corner. Here comes Brad Keselowski, though, leading as he has most of the evening. He'll score the 100th win in the Cup Series for Team Penske. Brad Keselowski will win the Coke Zero 400. Good morning, race fans. 11.03 here on WGR Sports Radio 550. And welcome to another edition of WGR's Fast Track. I'm Dave Buchanan. Thanks for listening, as always. And that's how you heard it last night right here on WGR as Brad Keselowski drives to victory in the Coke Zero 400 for his first career win at the World Center of Racing, Daytona International Speedway. Third win of the season for the driver of the Miller Lite two-car for Penske and the 100th Cup win for Penske Racing as well. A huge accomplishment for that team. And uh, that was the call on MRN last night with Mike Bagley, Kyle Ricky, and Joe Moore bringing the field to the checkered flag. Keselowski surviving a overtime finish at the end of the race there, fending off Kyle Busch and Joey, teammate Joey Logano and Trevor Bain, among others, to pick up the victory. And another restrictor plate win for Brad Keselowski. And all of a sudden, Brad has become Mr. Restrictor Plate in NASCAR. All of a sudden, uh, you know, we talk about Dale Earnhardt Jr. and how well he does on Restrictor Plate tracks and guys like Matt Kenseth and even Joey Logano. But turns out the guy with the most Restrictor Plate wins in the Cup Series since 2009 is Bad Brad. That was his fifth win. The four other ones coming at Talladega. But uh, a fifth Restrictor Plate win now in the last uh, seven seasons for Brad. And uh, he's just showing now that... uh, he is becoming a well-rounded driver in the Spring Cup Series. 803-0551-888-550-2550 are the phone, line, uh, phone numbers this morning for you to get in touch with us here on the program. If you want to talk about the NASCAR race last night or anything going on in the world of motorsports, and there is lots to talk about. As I come to you right now, watching the Salem Six Hours of the Glen, which is about an hour old right now at Watkins Glen International. That took the green flag just after 10 a.m. this morning, and they're about 55 minutes in, and guess who's leading? Christian Fittipaldi, the gentleman we had on the program here last week, uh, last Sunday. Christian is currently out in front in the Action Express Corvette. He's in front of uh, the uh, of Ricky Taylor, uh, the driver of the team that they're tied with in the point standings in the ISMA WeatherTech World Championship. Uh, it is Fittipaldi, then Taylor, and then the 55 car of Tristan Nunez. Uh, the set number 70 Mazda prototype, currently eighth overall, and I mention that because Tom Long is one of the drivers. And as soon as I say that, their car just spun out in turn one at the at the Glen there. Uh, 
Oh, no, that is the 55 Mazda car. I apologize. They're painted identical. I thought it was the 70 Mazda car, but no, it was the fit, the third place car of Nunez just spun out trying to pass, I think, trying to pass Ricky Taylor uh, in turn one there at the 90 in, in, at the Glen. And uh, he just spun out, but he gets going again. But so I uh, just wanted to mention our two guests from the last couple of weeks here. Off to a good start. Fittipaldi leading and the 70 Mazda car that Tom Long is one of the co-drivers of is currently eighth, although they were running as high as third early on. Uh, this morning at Watkins Glen, so we'll uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that and let give you further updates as we progress here on this edition of WGR's Fast Track. One other big racing story going on right now, uh, well, it already happened this morning, is the F1 race in Austria. Huge controversial finish as teammates Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg tangling on the final lap. Uh, Rosberg was leading at Hamilton, tried to pass him, and Rosberg... Uh, ran his teammate wide into the corner. There was contact. Rosberg suffering damage to his front wing and was not able to keep up full speed. Lam uh, Hamilton passed him and took the win, but a very controversial finish in the uh, F1 race this morning as well, too. And uh, that is at least the second run in this year, I believe, between the two Mercedes cars. I remember a few, couple races ago they took each other out racing for the lead early on. And I think it was, again, Rosberg trying to block the advance of Hamilton, and they took each other out. And once again today in Austria, uh, Rosberg and Hamilton getting together and Rosberg getting the worst of it. He had to settle for fourth, although there might be an additional penalty. F1 is reviewing the pass, and uh, Rosberg might just lose all points altogether depending on how that plays out. So Hamilton got the win. Max Verstappen was second. Kimi Räikkönen and rounded out the podium. And a good run for the Haas F1 car of Roman Grosjean. He finished seventh back in the points was Grosjean. And uh, Gutierrez finished 11th, so a, a solid day for the Haas F1 team. Coming up on today's program, by the way, in about eight minutes or so, we're going to talk to Dustin Long from NBC Sports. Dustin was in Daytona last night, although I think he's already back in his home base of Charlotte. We'll get Dustin's thoughts on the race here in about eight minutes or so. Coming up at the bottom of the hour... Uh, of course, the uh, Race of Champions Modified Series was in action this past Thursday night at the Lancaster National Speedway, and they'll be back in action this coming Saturday night the Holland Speedway. And one of the drivers that's having a pretty good start to his season, currently fifth in points, he's picked up a couple of top five finishes along the way, will join us. That is Daryl Lewis Jr., DLJ, will join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll get Daryl's thoughts on uh, his race this past Thursday at Lancaster and look, into, look ahead to Holland as well. Daryl, a second-generation driver, his dad, Daryl Sr., was uh, one of the area's top modified drivers in the uh, 80s and 90s here in western and central New York. But the phone lines are open here for you at 803-0551-888-550-2550. Again, Brad Keselowski's win at Daytona last night. What did you think of it or the restrictor plate race in general? I thought last night's race was just one of those typical restrictor plate races that we've we've seen over the last couple of seasons where – you got your big one, and that took out a lot of cars. A lot of big names got taken out in that. Uh, you know, Truex, Kenseth, Tony Stewart was involved in a later wreck. So was Carl Edwards. Some of the big names got taken out. And it came down to the leader just being able to block everybody and hold everybody off in those last couple of laps to, to go to victory. And that's kind of been how restrictor plate racing has been the last couple of years in the Spring Cup Series is Keselowski got the win. Kyle Busch finishing in second. Trevor Bain, a nice run for third. Uh, Joey Legato fourth, Ricky Senhouse in fifth. A great day for Ford overall as they took four out of the top five positions. A great day for the Ford bunch, uh, including uh, with Penske getting the win and their 100th Cup win, but also a couple of Roush guys there in the top five. And Greg Biffle had the pole last night. Uh, Kyle Larson was involved in an incident, but survived and finished sixth last night. Austin Dillon was seventh. Biffle started, uh, finished eighth. 
after starting on the pole. Clint Boyer bouncing back from a terrible day at Sonoma last weekend. He had that electrical fire that took him out of the race very early. He wound up finishing ninth last night. And Michael McDowell, uh, always one of those wild card cars, you know, just at the restrictor plate races, they're always in the right place at the right time. They can get a top five finish. So a good day for one of the uh, the smaller teams in the sport. Actually, McDowell 11th and Cole Witt in 11th, uh, or 10th and 11th there for a couple of the Cars you usually see finishing towards the rear of the field. Also, Casey Mears finishing in 12th. So uh, some of the uh, smaller teams having a good night last night at Daytona. One of the big other big stories to come out of last night was Tony Stewart, who, of course, won last weekend in Sonoma with that thrilling last lap battle with Denny Hamlin. Uh, Stewart overdriving uh, the one corner and Hamlin getting by him. And then they went into the final turn on the final lap. And Hamlin wheel-hopped going into the turn, and Stewart was able to steal the victory to get the win. That was step one in his quest to make the chase here in his final season in the Cup Series. Well, he achieved step two last night despite crashing out of the race and finishing 26. He still is now, he now has enough points that he is into the top 30 in the Sprint Cup driver standings, which means now he can qualify for the chase. So a huge couple of weeks here for Tony Stewart as he is now as it stands, Chase eligible. Of course, he'll have to remain in that top 30 for these uh, final nine races, which, which shouldn't be too hard considering the guys behind him in the standings. I don't, I unless Tony gets hurt again or something, I don't see him falling out now. The top 30, um, but he is now in the top 30 with a win, so he can now qualify for the chase. Even though he missed half of the season so far, uh, Tony Stewart will be able to run for a championship in his final season in the Spring Cup Series. I'll save my soapbox uh, rant for for injury waivers for another show you all know how I feel about that but uh, Stewart is now locked into the chase so that makes things more interesting at the top of the standings too for the guys trying to make the chase in on points as uh, of course Stewart is another winner now adding another uh, name you know another name to that list of drivers that have won this year which I think brings us to about 11 different winners and now Ryan Blaney uh, puts himself uh, on the bubble. He's 15th in points, and he would be the last driver into the chase on points now as he has a four-point advantage over Jamie McMurray uh, coming out of last night's race at Daytona. A couple of the guys on the outside, Bain, Kank, Casey Kane, Almendinger, Larson, Stenhouse, uh, they're all on the outside looking in right now with nine races to go before the end of the regular season. We talked about it on the show last Sunday. I said, you know, going into Sonoma last week that, I think we were primed to have a a new uh, a first time winner for the 2016 season and we got that in Stewart. I thought once he screwed up there at the end I thought Hamlin was going to be able to uh steal the win away and was going to prove us wrong, but he just overdrove that turn 11 that final sweeping turn at at Sonoma that goes around by the pit area, just got in there uh, a little too hot and locked up the right front and slid right out of the way and Stewart was able to drive by and they they thumped each other a little bit coming to the checkered flag but um Stewart was able to get that huge win last week and, and no surprise with his prowess at the road courses in his career that uh, he was right in the hunt there at the end last weekend at Sonoma again night ended a little bit night ended short last night uh, last night at Daytona because of the crash but Stewart picking up that uh, huge win Last week in a Sonoma, and he is now locked into the chase. Again, 803-0551-888-550-2550. Again, just your regular, not run-of-the-mill, but just your normal restrictor plate race last night. Definitely 
what we kind of see, what's become almost the status quo for restrictor plate racing. Um, again, the, the car out in the lead has so much power now to kind of fend anybody off and just really has to drive out the rear windshield instead of driving out the front windshield to hold off whoever is coming up alongside him. He just has to, the lead car always just has to do the blocking basically to uh, to stay out in front. And that's kind of a, a disappointing thing. I, again, I, I still yearn for, for the times when drivers could slingshot past the leader um, that's what made restrictor plate racing so much fun in, in the 80s and 90s once, uh, you know, they got into restrictor, once they implemented the restrictor plate in the mid-80s. Uh, that, that slingshot pass, I think, is what made it so interesting. And right now, the lead car with their control over the aerodynamics of the pack there, just being able to fend everybody off, they they just wield so much power right now and, and not even... Um, can uh, uh, the outside lane or the other lane get a push a and get past the leader because the, the front car is just swaying back and forth to block whichever lane is advancing. And I don't know how NASCAR can fix it. I, I, don't, um, I don't know if they're looking at it specifically, but it, um, you know, just doing something to, to get the cars behind the leader a better chance to get up there and go past the lead car is something I wish they would work on. Again, 803-0550, And let's go to the AT&T hotline and bring in from NBC Sports, Dustin Long joins us once again. Dustin, Steve Buchanan here in Buffalo. Good morning. Great to talk to you. Hey, good morning, Dave, and uh, good morning, Buffalo. Uh, I know you had a uh, late night flying right out of Daytona last night. Thank you for uh, getting up early to join us here. Uh, well, I, I don't think I really got up early. I've pretty much been up all night. I uh, slept about an hour on the flight. And that's about about it. So, uh, uh, but uh, it was a, it was a fun race last night. Interesting race last night, and uh, and uh, the series will move on and get ready for Kentucky this week. How about Brad Keselowski? A uh, pretty dominating performance, leading. I think it was about 115 laps last night. Um, it's it's he's quietly become Mr. Restrictor Plate. I, I saw the stat that he's got more Restrictor Plate wins in the series since 2009, more than any other driver, and he's quietly you know uh, climbed the climbed the top of the mountain of Restrictor Plate drivers in the series. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, and and and, and he has. You know, the one if you want to make a counter argument to it is you you can say well four of those wins have come at Talladega, and this was the first one at Daytona during that stretch, but still. You know, as you said, and, and, and the stats out there is the five restrictor plate wins more than anybody else in, the, in, in that time period. So that's more than Earnhardt, more than more than Harvick, and and, and more than some other guys. Now, uh, for as good as he has been, uh, you know, you know, with winning two of the three restrictor plate races this season, you know, one thing I'd point out is is, is don't forget about a guy like Kyle Busch because Kyle has finished in the top three in each of the uh, three uh, plate races this season. So. Uh, you know, Kyle, Kyle could easily have some of those victories, but but what Brad Keselowski's done has been fantastic. Uh, you know, the the, the Fords were strong, uh, mm -hmm. especially so last night. It wasn't just the Team Penske cars like you've seen in the past, but you saw more strength from the Ford uh, Ford camp. Um, he's able to put his car in the right spot with the way he works with the spotter Joey Meyer. Uh, you know, a lot of things kind of come together. They're able to find a way to get up to the front. And then once you're in the front, you know, you can dictate things because it is there's a difficulty in passing yep. and, and you can block. And, and so they've been able to put themselves in that position and, and take advantage of it. 
it was pretty remarkable, Dustin, during the broadcast last night at NBC, they had the great in-car shots of Brad, and they, they would do the split screen, and just how much Brad's eyes go from looking out the front windshield to looking up into the rearview mirror, and, th- and that's what restrictor plate racing a- has become in, in this sport currently. This current iteration of plate racing, I guess you could say, is is that lead car with the power it has to just block everybody behind them. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, I mean, you sometimes you spend more time looking behind you than you do looking in front of you. So uh, it's it's about keeping those those lines of cars behind you. And if you can do that, then uh, uh, you can block them. You're going to be in good shape. Dustin Long from NBC Sports here joining us on WGR's Fast Track. You talked about the the Ford's uh, performance last night. Four out of the top five finishers were in the Ford camp, and Greg Biffle on the pull, and that just had to be a real feel-good weekend for Roush Fenway Racing, all of their drivers finishing the top eight. Here's a team that is just dying to turn its fortunes around in the sport, and they really showed that, uh, at least on the restrictor plates, they, they can they can run with the top teams. Yeah, it was a it was a good performance for them, and something that uh, that the Roush cars needed. Certainly, seeing the, they they've been building toward having some more success, had more speed this year, especially uh, Stenhouse, Trevor Bain, showing some speed at times. Uh, you know, for Roush Fenway Racing to place all three drivers in the top ten, it's the first time they've placed three cars in the top ten since Bristol in August 2014, and and for Trevor with that third place finish, I mean that's his best finish since uh, he won the 2011 Daytona 500. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, get him getting the third, Stenhouse with the fifth, and, and Greg Biffle uh, coming back, and, you know, he was involved in, in, in that big incident early, uh, you know, coming back and, and getting eighth place. Uh, you know, a strong day for, for the Roush cars and something that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll try to build upon. Obviously what happens at, at Daytona doesn't impact what's going to happen at Kentucky this week or New Hampshire next week or Indianapolis, but, uh, you know, you try to take at least some of the feel good out of it and uh, try to build upon that for uh, the, the coming grind. Where do you think the future of that team lies? I mean, you've got Bain and Stenhouse. They're young guys, but they've they've struggled here in their years in the Cup Series. You've got Greg Biffle, who's who's getting up there in age and, and might be retiring here in the near future. They've got, you know, Bubba Wallace and Ryan Reed in the Xfinity Series. Where do you think the future of Roush Fenway Racing is? Is it a driver currently under contract, or do you think that they're going to need to go find a, a, another up-and-coming driver, or maybe they poach a veteran from another team? Where do you think, you know, maybe a couple years down the road, who's going to be the face of Roush Fenway Racing? Well, you know, it's uh, I think for a while you thought it was going to be Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and he has had his struggles, no doubt about it, uh, you know, early in his cup career after winning a couple of the uh, the championships in the Xfinity Series. You know, if he can put together more of these runs like he had in the top five and some other success he's had, then then you know he's that guy that could be could become that the future of that organization. You know, Trevor Bain is, um, you know, after that tremendous Daytona 500 win and in, in, you know early in his career, uh, not been able to produce the results that that many would have hoped. Uh, you know, with having a little bit more success, with having these cars a little better, he's able to do a little bit more. Uh, let's see what he can do. Uh, you look at the Xfinity side and, and, and Daryl Wallace Jr. There's, there's, uh, you know, he's had some good runs, but you know they haven't been able to put it together all the time. Uh, Ryan Reed did have the Daytona win, but uh, you know, top ten finishes since then have been kind of few and far between in that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they've got uh, they've got to kind of figure out what you know. I, I mean, part of it is. And you can't put this all on the drivers because they sure. have the equipment. And and on the on the cup side especially, 
I think it's fair to say they haven't had the equipment the last couple of years, and mm-hmm. uh, probably since Carl Edwards left. After that, that they've uh, after losing Kenseth and then Carl Edwards, um, you know, they just have not had the equipment. Whether it's related because they weren't getting the feedback from the drivers like they got from those guys, whether it was other decisions that were made that, that led them in a wrong decision, wrong direction, and they just couldn't recover from that. But I think it's kind of an, all a lot of those things. And I think what happens is it, 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 you know, as they say, it's like trying to turn a ship. It, it doesn't happen immediately, uh, a big ship. And so it's taken them a long time. They're making some progress. Uh, you know, how much more can they make? And, and can they continue to make those gains while other teams are doing the same thing? I mean, obviously, they're not anywhere near the level of Joe Gibbs racing. Uh, but, you know, can they get closer to Richard Childress racing? or uh, mm-hmm. And can they make a move at uh, at Hendrick Motorsports or something like that? I think you have to kind of look at it, take step by step. Dustin, last thing, of course, the one of the big stories now here in the last couple of weeks in the sport is Tony Stewart got the win at Sonoma. Last week, there's checkbox one, and then last night, getting enough points despite crashing out to get into the top 30. He is now chase eligible as long as he remains in the top 30 for the final nine races. What do you think about Smoke's progression here this year? Do you do you think he's 100% and do you think he'll be a factor come chase time in his final year here in the series? Well, I think that what you have to look at it with him is um in, now there's nine races left until the, the playoffs begin. Mm-hmm. And you look at the how the chase format is, and, you know, basically, you know, after the first round all you have to do is be the 12th best car among the 16 chase drivers and you advance to the next round. So, you don't have to be great in the first round. Uh, you you don't even have to be great in the second round. You have to be eight out of twelve, um, and and you have to think about you know think back to last year's uh, first round. You know Kyle Busch had he not won four races in the regular season and had those twelve bonus points, mm-hmm. uh, he wouldn't have advanced the second round. If he had had if he'd only won three races instead of four in the regular season last year and had nine bonus points instead of twelve, he wouldn't have advanced to the second round, and you know you wouldn't have had that champion. So. What they've got to do, Tony Stewart and that group, they've got to work on getting better over the next nine races, work on getting better to where they're better than four other chase teams, um, you know, in those first three races. And obviously in the, in the opening round of the chase, somebody's going to have an issue and that's going to drop them down. Sometimes it's somebody that's a big name. I mean, remember Kevin Harvick having, you know, running out of fuel while uh, looking like he was going to win at New Hampshire and then being basically put in a must-win situation at Dover and yeah. then he, he produced. So, um, I, I think that there's still time for them to build up. You know, they've shown some signs. I know they feel good about Michigan, uh, but I also say that, you know, that's a that's a different rules package than what's going to be run in the chase. That's only going to be run this week at Kentucky. That's the 2017 proposed. So, yeah, you take a little bit out of that, but I think you throw some of that out. I know Tony has said, you know, he felt like they didn't have the, they didn't have the result at Pocono. It felt like they were making progress. Um, Sonoma, I, I think that's a different animal, and, and I kind of thought ahead of time it wouldn't have been surprising for me to for me to see him. And I, I, I think I said it at the time, you know, steal a win. Although you don't, you kind of hate to use that phrase with Tony Stewart, right? Um, but he, they, you knew at Sonoma they could do a different strategy, and if the cautions worked out right, then they could put themselves in position to be at the front of the field, and you kind of figure up front, you know, Tony should be good enough to hold his own, and, and he was so. I, I think it's a feel-good story right now that, that, that Tony Stewart is in the position he is and for a lot of fans. But is he a championship contender today? I, I, I don't see it at this point. Uh, but, again, he's got 
you know, nine races before the chase begins, and then he's got to be only better than, you know, four car, four of the cars and uh, chase drivers in, in the first round to advance. So they've still got a couple months, three months or so to kind of build up to it, and we'll see what happens. Dustin, as we leave Daytona and head to Kentucky, what can we look forward to this week from you and your colleagues at NBC Sports? Uh, certainly we'll have uh, a lot of coverage about that, and then be a busy week at Kentucky with uh, the trucks on Thursday, Xfinity on Friday, and, and the Cup on Saturday, and, and the uh, Xfinity race Friday, and, and the Sprint Cup race on Saturday will be on. You can watch that on NBCSN. Uh, my colleague Nate Ryan will be up in at Kentucky, and, and obviously a lot of the talk is, is going to be about the repave there and about the tire. Uh, you know, Goodyear uh, they had a test at the Kentucky June 13th, 14th. The tire that they wanted to use, they had blistering on. Um, and so they've gone with a harder compound tire, uh, the hardest compound that they've kind of that they use that they have in their inventory. So it's uh, it's 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 going to be a fast track. It's going to be track position, and it's uh, it, it's going to be a challenge uh, for these for these teams and drivers for sure. So uh, it'll be an interesting test of man and machine uh, this weekend at Kentucky. Dustin, go get some sleep. Have a great 4th of July, and thank you for the time this morning. Great to catch up with you. Uh, thanks again. We'll, we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Dave. All right. Dustin Long from NBC Sports, at Dustin Long on Twitter, and you can catch the Cup Race from Kentucky this Saturday night at uh, on NBCSN, and I believe we'll have it right here, too, on WGR. When we get back, we're going to talk to Daryl Lewis Jr. from the Race of Champions Modified Series, fresh off a race Thursday night at Lancaster, and they head to Holland this Saturday night. We'll talk to DLJ when we get back here on WGR. Oh, very fitting, Mike, because I have my Paul McCartney and Wings t-shirt on this morning. Yes, I, I actually do own a Paul McCartney and Wings t-shirt. I knew you liked that. <laughs> 11.34 here on WGR Sports Radio 550, Dave Buchanan and WGR's Fast Track. I had to, had to pause there to get the whale in there from Sir Paul McCartney. I was uh, also enjoying my drive in this morning on this gorgeous Sunday here in Western New York. Listen to a little uh, Venus and Mars rock show on my way in to... Uh, the station here this morning 11:34 here on wgr sports radio 550 as they said dave buchanan wgr's fast track uh the sale in six hours at the Glen still ongoing they're almost an hour and a half into the event and still our guest from last week christian fittipaldi is your overall leader in the action express corvette leading ricky taylor and ryan dial in the uh, top three positions right now all prototype cars now we talked to christian um, last week, and he said he was going to do about an hour and a half uh, stint in the car at, at times, so I'm assuming they're going to be doing a driver change very soon. Actually, they're interviewing his teammate right now on, on Fox Sports 1, Jal Barbosa. Uh, I'm sure they're discussing that right now. I wish we could listen in, but uh, I'm assuming uh, Christian will be coming out of the uh, Action Express Corvette here in, in a few minutes, depending on if they get a caution flag here soon or if they decide to make a green flag pit stop for the driver change, but uh, Christian is the leader, and he will be likely turning over the reins to Jao Barbosa here in mere moments. Wow, he has got some really cool racing shoes. They're just showing it on, on TV, and I have it on here in the studio, and they're just wild. It looked, looks, <coughs> excuse me, looked like his kids drew on him with a magic marker or something. Uh, before we bring in Daryl Lewis Jr., let's go to the phones real quick, and you can get your thoughts into it, 803-0550. Uh, Larry in Tonawanda is on the line. Larry, good morning. Hey, Dave. What's going on? I thought it was a good. I thought it was a great race last night, but uh, I would have rather had the 18 win. But the where I was disappointed is NBC's coverage. I really miss Fox. I think they do a way better job. Um, I think the guys in that booth are better, 
and I, it felt that to me every two minutes they were going to a full commercial. <laughs> yeah. And we spent more time in commercial and not split screen, and I just their coverage is not great. And my actually my one buddy and I were texting back and forth, and he ended up going to MRN because of the coverage of just the commercials and everything was driving them nuts. Yeah, as as we like to say in the radio biz, you know, turn down the sound on the TV and, and turn up WGR when we have the race on, and you'll, yeah, you'll definitely pick up a lot more. Uh, Larry, thanks for the phone call. It was a, a bit annoying, especially late in the race. I'll, I'll admit I didn't watch the race from the start on TV. I, I was at a family party, and I got home about, about 10, 15 laps into the race, so I, I didn't watch from the beginning on NBC. Um, but definitely in the second half, there was uh, quite a bit of commercial breaks. And uh, luckily, they went to the split screen towards the end. I know um, usually they get within so many laps at the end of the race, that's when they can go to split screen. And their split screen coverage is a little bit better than Fox's. Fox puts it up in the little right, upper right-hand corner a little box, while the NBC split screen is a little bit bigger. You can have a better idea what's going on. But yeah, it was uh, it was pretty bad. And I know a lot of people were fired up on social media last night about that. Um, I... I will disagree with the caller, though. Uh, I do not miss the Fox broadcast booth at all. Well, I don't miss Daryl Waltrip. I'll just say that. I do not miss DW uh, being corrected by Jeff Gordon every every time he opens his mouth pretty much on the Fox broadcast. And I think uh, Rick Allen, uh, Jeff Burton, and Steve Letarte do a way better job uh, do, as TV. You know, they let Rick call the race, and then Jeff and Steve add in their, their analysis, too. And I think it's a much better uh, broadcast booth, at least compared to Fox. Let's go to the AT&T hotline and bring in driver from Ontario, New York, second-generation driver. He's currently in the top five in the Race of Champions Modified Series point standings, which will be at the Holland Speedway this Saturday night for the Holland in the Hills 100. Daryl Lewis Jr. joins us on the line. DLJ, good morning. What's up, bud? Hey, how are you, Dave? Doing good. Uh, busy, busy time of the year for you with uh, the Race of Champions Modified Series, Daryl, and you were at Lancaster this past Thursday night. Uh, how did things go for the ten team on Thursday? Oh, we were we were pretty good. Um, uh, other than we could, we we've always been a lot worse there. You know what I mean? Uh, mm. <laughs> we we've always not really ran well there. So I'll take a top five definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely at least from from the races I've seen. You you are definitely one of the the most improved teams on the series this year. It's been great to see you run up front, especially at Lake Erie. You led a lot of laps there at Lake Erie. It looks like you and uh, you and the family have really gotten things figured out this season. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of help from Ricky Kluth from two two quick chassis too. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's he's turned me around one hundred and twenty percent. I can't say enough about him. Um, and we do, we've just been trying to put our heads down and just keep working hard at it, and I guess the, the results are there. What has been the thing that Ricky has helped you with the most? Is it just the setup? Is it is it your driving driving style? What has Ricky helped you with? Rick Kluth helped you with the most with to, to get this ten car pointed in the right direction. I think it's been pretty much everything all around. I mean. Uh, mostly I guess more of me understanding the car and mm-hmm. what adjustments I need to make from the heat to the feature and so on and so forth. But uh, in general, the driving, you know what I mean? Just uh, trying to focus more and trying to be on my game every lap, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. with these modified, you, you just have to be, you know, and uh, it's not like the weekly car that I run on Friday nights. It's like a totally different ball game on the ROC series. So, 
Yeah, but that weekly stuff's going pretty good. You got a couple of wins this year at your home track, Spencer Speedway, on Friday nights with the the sportsman car. Uh, that I know you got a kind of a surprise win uh, last Friday there when the the leaders wrecked with the lap car, but that's got to I'm sure just only help you with the modified stuff, knowing that you're having success on Fridays too. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, the last Friday a couple of weeks ago, it was uh, I was a third place car all all night long, and what happened between Mike and uh, Mike and Tommy there? You know, it was one of them deals, and I came out smelling like a rose. Uh, <laughs> you know, being being behind the wheel, you know, every Friday night and having that just that you need that behind the being behind the wheel you know yeah, what i mean just sure. to stay focused and stuff like that and that it really helps me in the roc stuff so you know we'll just keep on digging and go from there of course uh your racing operations a family operation your dad daryl senior of course uh got you into the sport when he used to race and now it's you and brother andy doing a lot of racing you know andy's modified's been been kind of out of action here the last couple of weeks but uh, how much is does the uh, the information go back and forth between you and your brother there with the sixty five car? Oh, everything. We uh, we share everything. Um, you know, we we both try to. If if he's if I'm not going to win, I want him to win. You know, it's one of them deals. And uh, we, you know, like I said, we share everything. We're we're in the shop together. You know, it's pretty much me and him and my dad and a couple other guys to help us out during the week and. You know, we're just, like I said, we both work very hard at it, and we try to do our best at it, and like I said, that's that's where we go. <laughs> Daryl Lewis Jr. from the Race of Champions Modified Series joining us here on WGR's Fast Track. Daryl, coming up this Saturday night is uh, the series return to the Holland Speedway, one of the more unique tracks on the circuit. Uh, in your times there, what, what how do you think of how you fare at Holland Speedway? Um, I think we'll be all right. Um, last year we... We were pretty good, and uh, we should have came out of there with, like, a top-eight finish. And I actually went down a lap early, and it was it was kind of a monkeyed-up deal. I pitted and got got down a lap, and I didn't realize I was down a lap. And I crossed the finish line, I think, like, seventh, but we ended up, like, 16th. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I think we have a pretty good shot. The biggest thing is just keeping the tires on the car and, you know, not going down a lap. Mm. I mean, I, I think – Whoever starts up front, I think they're going to want to put somebody down a lap as soon as possible because there there is no no tire change in that race. So yeah. it's it'll be an interesting deal uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, the tires obviously have been a big topic of discussion on the series. Uh, a little bit different Hoosier compound this year that's supposed to last a little bit longer. How do you think those have fared this year, or how do you think those tires have fared so far this year? And how do you think they're going to hold up for a hundred laps this Saturday night? Um, I, th- I think they'll be all right. I think they'll hold up. I think it, but it's just a point of saving that tire, saving that right rear, and actually saving both of their tires. Mm. And uh, but I think the racing in general has been really good this year. You know, Joe Scott the ROC owner there now. I mean, I think he's doing one hell of a job doing, you know, promoting the series and you know, bringing the people in, bringing bringing names in and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, I just. I hope for the best for him, and I, you know, I hope it keeps striving. Well, Daryl, like I said, uh, you've been having a great year. I've certainly noticed the improvement out of out of the ten car this year, and really hope you guys break through for a first win this season. Thanks for the time this morning, Bud. Good luck this Saturday night at Holland. Oh, thank you, Dave. Have a good holiday. You too, Daryl Lewis Jr. from the Race of Champions Modified Series, and again, they will be uh, at Holland Speedway this. 
Saturday night for the Holland and the Hills 100. Uh, it is usually one of the best uh, races of the year in Western New York. It's def- uh, unfortunately, I'm going to miss it. Uh, a little something a little more important coming up this Saturday with my brother-in-law getting married. But uh, I've called this race the last couple of years, and it always provides some great passing, side-by-side racing, and always some exciting finishes. So be sure to check it out. And uh, also a great race this past Thursday night at Lancaster with uh, Patrick Emerling picking up his third win of the year on the Race of Champions Modified Series. It looked like it was going to be another battle between him and Chuck Hosfeld, just like they battled earlier this year, but the hot shoe pulled out uh, of the race about 35 laps into the 60-lap race with a mechanical issue. Sounded like something maybe in the rear end of the car, uh, and it, it allowed to uh, give Patrick the win, and he was able to hold off a, a hard-charging Darren Shear for the victory on Thursday night at Lancaster. But uh, definitely some great competition uh, in the uh, ROC Modified Series. We'll get to some more local racing action when we come back. The local racing roundup. And still time for your phone calls, too. 803-0550. as we get ready to wrap up Fast Track here on WGR. Hey, race fans, it's Dave Buchanan for my friends at Batavia Downs. Batavia Downs Gaming is the area's premier entertainment destination, and they're looking even better than ever with the newly renovated entrance and gaming floor. While you're there at Batavia Downs, be sure to check out all the great games they have on hand, including the very popular movie and TV-themed games at Batavia Downs, including Family Guy, The Hangover, Titanic, Sex in the City, Michael Jackson's Easy Top, Wheel of Fortune. They've got them all at Batavia Downs Gaming. And while you're there, stop on by to 34 Rush. That's Thurman Thomas's sports bar right inside Batavia Downs. They've got all sorts of cool sports memorabilia from Thurman, including his Hall of Fame jacket and jerseys he wore here when he played in Buffalo. And uh, you got to grab yourself a bite to eat while you're there. they got delicious uh, bar food. I had a great chicken sandwich there the last time I was there. And all the sports action on tons of HD TVs. They've also got the big projection screen they roll out on weekends. Uh, baseball, racing, uh, you know, they got the Olympics coming up. But, of course, horse racing is always on there, too. Uh, tons of fun to hang out at 34 Rush inside Batavia Downs. They also have Fortune's Italian Restaurant, delicious pasta and pizza inside Fortune's, too, inside Batavia Downs. Batavia Downs Gaming is open daily, 8 a.m. till 4 a.m. on 3 exit 48 right in Batavia. And for more information, be sure to follow Batavia Downs Gaming on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date info on all promotions. And discover why Batavia Downs Gaming is the area's premier entertainment destination. And tell them you heard about them right here on Fast Track. Let's find out who visited Victory Lane this weekend. It's time for the local racing roundup on WGR's Fast Track. And we start Thursday night, Lancaster National Speedway. As I said, Patrick Emerling got the win in the Race of Champions Modified Series Old Boy Cup 60. In street stock action, it was Eric Brown picking up the win. Kevin Bainbridge in the four cylinders and Tommy Catalano gave Kyle Hutchinson the bump and run to get the win in the NYPA TQ Midgets. Friday night drag racing action at Lancaster. They had the Street Outlaws from the TV show there, Busa GT, Kamikaze Chris. But uh, the Buffalo Street Outlaws got the better of them. Uh, picking up the victory for them was uh, Ed McGuinn out of Rochester got the win in the Buffalo Street Outlaws. Also, Jamie Stoneman got the win in top eight. Jacob Sislow getting the win in bikes and sleds. Brian Pryor getting the win in Street Limited. A couple of their divisions uh, couldn't get to their completion of the program due to the uh, Friday night curfew. Friday night, the big R, Ranceville Speedway. Mr. Smallblock, Pete McNell, picked up another win in the 358 Modifies over Ryan Soucy. Greg Martin, win number two in the Sportsman. Corey Sawyer in the Street Stocks. Chad Lederhaus in the Four Cylinders. And Jonathan Reed got the win in the Novice Sportsman. Uh, Little Valley Speedway on Friday night. In the Patriots Spring Cars, Davey Frannick got the win over Jared Zimbardi. Max Blair in the Super Late Models. Jeremy Wonderling in the Crate Late Models. Bruce Miller in the 360 Late Models. Dan Davies in the E-Mods. And Jimmy 
Kennernecht in the Street Stocks. I hope I got that one right. Saturday Night Action, Merrittville Speedway, Tony Kelly in the Mini Stocks, Pete Reed in the Hoosier Stocks, Robbie Meisner in the Mod Lights, Cody McPherson in the Sportsman, and Tim Jones got the win in the 358 Modifies over Ryan Susie and Pete Bicknell. The Patriots Sprints, they were at Mercer Raceway Park last night. Kyle Drum got the win over Jared Zimbardi and Dennis Wagner. Uh, the Patriots in a big Western swing right now. They're back in action tonight at the Erie Speedway just over the border in Pennsylvania. Freedom Motorsports Park, they ran Saturday night instead of Friday. They had the Race of Champions Sportsman Series. Brad Rouse got the win there. TJ Downs in the Crate Late Models. Al Brewer in the Street Stocks. And Brad Shepard got the win in the uh, Mini Stocks at Freedom last night. Uh, tonight, if you're looking for some racing action, I said, uh, of course, at Erie Speedway with the Patriot Sprints. Humberstone Speedway in action with a full card of racing, including uh, vintage cars and an enduro race. Uh, that's tonight at 6.30 over in Port Colborne. And also, uh, big race, uh, if you feel like making the travel to the Utica Rome Speedway, they've got the Super Dirt Car Big Block Modifieds. They've got Sprint Cars, and they've got the Race of Champions Sportsman Series. So that should be a good show if you want to make the tow uh, out to the Utica Rome Speedway. Uh, that should be a pretty good one tonight. Also, uh, July 4th action, uh, Wheatsport has got a big uh, dirt sportsman race uh, tomorrow night at the Wheatsport Speedway at 5.30 with full fireworks, too. So uh, plenty of racing action on this uh, 4th of July weekend. Although some of the, the local tracks now, they take the, uh, the they take that this weekend off. They, they feel that families would rather, you know, do family parties or go camping or whatnot. So some of the the local tracks, you notice, you know, Lancaster didn't run last night. Holland didn't run last night. Uh, you know, some of the local tracks take this night off or this weekend off because of the 4th of July holiday. It's interesting to see how different tracks handle this. I think that it's either you have a, a big show that really packs people in, some kind of special show with a traveling series, or you take the night off. It's hard to maybe just run your regular run-of-the-mill Friday or Saturday night program. you got to have something extra to get people to come out for the holiday weekend or, uh, again, just take it off and let people do their own thing. It's an interesting balance. Uh, just one of the things the uh, the local racing industry has to deal with these days. Uh, before we go here this morning, a uh, real final update on the Salem Six Hours of the Glen. They did make that driver change. Uh, Christian Fittipaldi jumping out, and teammate Joao Barbosa is behind the wheel of the Action Express Corvette. And after all the green flag pit stops played out, they are still the overall leader. Uh, Tristan Nunez uh, for Mazda is second. Ryan Dial currently third. Um, the Mazda 70 car with Tom Long that we had on the show a couple weeks ago. Uh, they also made. They have a third. They have a three driver uh, operation for the Salem Six Hours. And Joel Miller is now behind the wheel of the 70 Mazda car, and they're currently seventh overall. So uh, that is on Fox Sports One. If you want to check that out, the Salem Six Hours at the Glen. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next Sunday with the Cup race on Saturday night in Kentucky, plus lots more local racing action to talk about as well. Should be another great week of racing here around the local tracks, too. We'll talk to you next Sunday here on WGR. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.